Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. We're going to move on now to talk about pandemic fatigue. As coronavirus cases surge in the state, Governor Newsom has issued a curfew for most of the state and many counties are reinstating restrictions that were only recently lifted. Add to that winter cold and rains, which make it harder to gather outside in the coming holidays, which remind us of more festive times. And it's leaving many of us with severe cases of what's described as pandemic fatigue. We're going to talk about what we're experiencing and ways to alleviate it. Joining us is Alyssa Eppel, professor and vice chair in the Department of Psychiatry at University of California, San Francisco. And welcome, Dr. Eppel. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Glad to have you with us. Also glad to have Margot Pumar, who is psychiatrist and associate medical director for Integrated and Collaborative Care at UCSF. And welcome, Dr. Pumar. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Glad to have both of you with us. And we ought to say that uh, when we talk about uh, pandemic fatigue, it's not only individuals uh, and the enormous strain on all of us, but also the whole healthcare system, and particularly those who are on the front lines of healthcare. And we're talking about not only fatigue, but often a fatigue that's mingled with anxiety and, and depression. They're all on the rise and all certainly affecting individual lives. Uh, Lisa Apple, let me begin with you, though. People are uh, speaking about loss and diminished motivation and all of this. Uh, uh, particularly with respect to following recommended behaviors to protect themselves and others from the virus. And the real question is, I suppose, how to counter that? It's a great question. We are all feeling it. This is a tremendous moment in the trajectory of this pandemic for this, co- you know, this collective fatigue. And if we had been able to have the, you know, the, government regulations the first time, we would be done. And so here we are facing wave two exhausted with diminished resources. And so it's very easy to feel like this is never going to end. And now is the time to just, you know, loosen up and try to do the things that make us feel good, like meet, you know, meet as a group for Thanksgiving when it's exactly the opposite. This is the time when we need to actually see this can end through our collective action, through our bolstering our wisdom to be, to do what we know that will end this sooner. So, you know, when I think about Thanksgiving 2020, I think we we all have such a deep kind of need and desire to be together in a group and do what is our ritual and what traditionally makes us feel nourished, replenished, connected. And we have such great need for that. And it's exactly what we can't do right now. So viewing Thanksgiving 2020 as just, this is a one-off, a different type of Thanksgiving where it's all about intimacy, quietness, you know, small, safe group outside, um, whatever it is for each person, but it's, it's completely different. This is not a normal Thanksgiving and it shouldn't, we shouldn't try to simulate that in any way. But Margo Pumar, without Thanksgiving, many people feel lost and, you know, you can get your chin up just to a certain degree and be stoic about it all. Uh, but there's an importance 
of acknowledging grief in all this, isn't there? Absolutely. Uh, we've had just numerous losses a- across the year, not just um, people that we've lost, but so many experiences, um, aspects of our children's uh, childhood, family members that we haven't got to see. Um, and absolutely, I think, um, you know, the current uh, guidances for gatherings and travel for the holidays, um, for many people will bring an experience of grief and loss, not getting to um, share a ritual in a way that they're used to sharing it or getting to be with people that they're used to sharing it with. And I think that's extremely difficult. I think it's a both. And I think you, um, you have to take time and be honest about what you're losing and how painful that is um, and take time to, to grieve even if you need to. And I think I've learned from so many patients over the years um, who have difficulties and disabilities that the folks who um, do well, they really focus on what they can do, the things that are available to them. And they will say, you know, if I just focus on this and that because of the disabilities that I have, um, you know, I'm, I'm lost. But when I think about all the things I can do, then I realize actually I still have vast amounts of ways to be productive, um, have pleasure, and be productive in society. And so I think it's important for us to, um, again, like, like Dr. Appel said, really think 2020 is a one-off. Um, and so what can I do? It'll be different, but maybe this is a chance to be creative. Well, this is Appel, if I can go back to you. I mean, we have uh, not only pandemic of fatigue, but it's now linked to a surge and people uh, are certainly not necessarily um, thinking about well, pushing the envelope, perhaps, as they were earlier. There's a, there's a kind of psychology in all this, as I'm sure you're well aware. People feel, you know, I've been good. I've been following the rules and what supposedly to mitigate uh, uh, the concerns uh, that are coming across to us in terms of, you know, washing hands and uh, keeping social distance, all of those kinds of things, not meeting in groups. I deserve to uh, let up a little. I deserve to... <laughs> Um, you know, especially even though there's a new surge, maybe give myself a little bit of a treat here or a reward here and maybe meet with friends again and so forth. Uh, but with the vaccine on the horizon, at least uh, now, perhaps even more than ever, we have to curb that kind of behavior. And something you uh, have put forward here in your writing, and I, I think is important for listeners to take under advisement, that's embracing uncertainty and, and building a tolerance muscle for it. That certainly even applies to future things down the pike, maybe other wildfires or climate change. Uh, This is an important concept. Michael, I'm so glad you brought that up. I think we are all struggling with this fundamental concept of this chronic uncertainty that we live in. We love certainties and certainty makes us feel relaxed and at ease and we can make plans and we don't have that. And so what we do have certainty in is that our future is uncertain. And that is, you know, that's always been fundamental. And now it's so revealed that we we need to um, embrace that uncertainty. So what does that mean to embrace uncertainty? Um, so there's, let, let's just unpack that a little bit. Uh, the, you know, we need to exercise this muscle of tolerance of uncertainty. So there's this quality of being okay with not knowing exactly what's going to happen tomorrow and next month. And that's, that's a bit challenging, but people who are more tolerant of that kind of not knowing 
actually have resilience to depression and anxiety. So looking at that, like where, where do you feel start to get kind of tense and anxious when, you know, when you can't plan and, and how, how do you deal with that uncertainty about next month? So if we have this narrative of like, well, it's, you know, I can't make this trip and this is gonna, you know, this is gonna affect this particular, um, you know, project relationship income. Those narratives are really make us suffer. So if we can relax our narratives and about what this situation really is, because it is, as you said, does not have to be catastrophic. If we have communal action in the Bay Area, as we have had so beautifully at the beginning of the pandemic, to do the right thing for safety and for social safety, we will, the light is at the end of the tunnel. Like you said, we have a vaccination in 2021. I'm sorry, I have to break in here because we're coming up on a break. It doesn't stop for anybody. And I want to give out the number also. How are you doing eight months into the pandemic? Join us at 866-733-6786 or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook or at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way, from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. This Forum, I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking about pandemic fatigue with Professors Alyssa Pell and Margot Pumar. And uh, Professor Pell, you were saying something before we had to cut you off there with a break. I'm sorry about that. But like I said, it stops for no one. Please finish your thought. So when we are thinking about this kind of uncertain future, we don't know exactly when we're going to be released from our shelter in place. We can we can do a few things. We can acknowledge that with this uncertainty in the moment we have control in the days that we plan in the short run, we we must create a sustainable day or we will be so exhausted. So Uncertainty makes us tense. It makes our nervous system vigilance. And so we need to both to really um, notice when we are feeling ease and safety every single day, just like we eat, just like we take a shower. We need to give ourselves a mental break, a mind body restoration. It can be five minutes. But if we all do that every day, we will do better. So that means taking a break from the, the news, from devices, doing whatever it is that's restorative for you. That might be breathing, yoga, being in nature. These things are now essential, vital tools for, for preventing this pandemic fatigue that just builds up. So the, the other piece is that as we are planning our day, we, we must plan in that our, you know, take care of our social needs. They're also a vital need. So it's now a, a matter of, of thinking about harm reduction and rather than being so fearful of the spike, knowing, being armed with the right information to have safe social connection and interactions at a distance, outside, might be taking a walk with someone where you're meeting several needs, nature, activity, 
and social. So we don't need to be completely isolated and we shouldn't. Margo, did you have something to add to that? Actually, I just wanted to, before we go to Margo on this, I just want to add, um, there's a lot of thought that I think is useful in terms of just the sort of uh, hand-washing, social distancing, as it's called, mask wearing and so forth, should be sort of like uh, putting on a helmet when you ride a bike or stopping at a traffic light. In other words, something done automatically and like second nature, uh, putting a child into a safety seat or flossing your teeth, all these things uh, seems to me are useful in just incorporating them and, and well, integrating them, if you will. Uh, if I can go to you, Dr. Pumar. Um, that's, a, that's a really, really great point. I think actually um, self-care and just general health during the pandemic um, is all about relearning things to make them automatic. The ways that we used to structure our lives and um, incorporate coping and pleasure were automatic. We had done these things for years. We built up these muscles. <clears throat> we made plans. We traveled. We you know, did all these wonderful things that we enjoyed and helped us to relieve stress without even thinking about them. And with those things gone and with our stress and uncertainty, you know, doubling and tripling as the days go on. I think there's so many things that we have to relearn and focus to almost make them automatic again. And um, self-care and obviously these, um, these aspects for, um, you know, public health guidances, these are all part of it. So, you know, having your routine for what you do with your masks. Um, yeah, absolutely. The hand washing, all of that is important. Um, but I think just as important is um, really thinking about, how do I incorporate something that is stress relieving into my day throughout the day? We don't know what the next thing is gonna be. We just know that more things are coming. This is a, such a challenging time. And so we can't just sort of get by going, well, I'm, I'm kind of doing okay um, because um, it will wear on us. And so I think almost like preventative medicine, really thinking, you know, very, very focused what are all the things that I need to do? Like, am I really eating well? Am I incorporating um, good exercise? Am I taking time to connect with people who support me and love me? Um, it's easy to be at home and realize, oh, actually it's been days since you've connected with somebody or also just thinking about other people out there who might be single or alone or elderly or even more isolated and how do we reach out to them? I think all of those things need to be um, kind of automatic parts of our new normal. And again, we're talking about uh, pandemic fatigue. Margot Pumar, a psychiatrist and associate medical director for integrated and collaborative care at UCSF. And if you have questions or comments, uh, let us know what's on your mind. How are you doing after eight months into this pandemic? Has it gotten harder or easier to cope? You can join us now at our toll-free number, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. I was reading in the middle of an email here from a listener named Rebecca who said, many of us have had past trauma and PTSD returned during these lockdowns. The fear, mm. shame, and guilt of the past has been brought back to life, and it has been a challenge uh, to keep in the present. Uh, so, Dr. Pell, are you with us? Yes. Hello, Michael. Hello. Um, Glad to hear your voice. Hello. Sorry. Sorry about that. This is our new life. <laughs> uh, all these, um, there's never not technical errors if, we are, if we're on this, these conferences long enough. So I would like to address that. We are all embedded with life experiences and 
many of us, past traumas, racial trauma, uh, you know, per personal losses. And so we're triggered. We get triggered easily. And so this pandemic is not only creating all of these current challenges, but it is also, um, you know, triggering these, these feelings of grief, loss, threat from our past. And so it's so good and important to recognize those reactions and triggers. Our website has a section on coping with being triggered with racial trauma that can be applied to other traumas. And uh, this is on our section called Coping with Political Stress 2020. It is on our um, UCSF Psychiatry Department website. Um, we can certainly list the website on your KQED uh, forum page, but it has um, different ways of helping our body basically unwind from that um, autonomic nervous system, you know, wind up and build up that we're having both from pandemic and from past trauma being triggered. And uh, Dr. Puma, can I have you weigh in here? Yeah, I, I think that's a really important question. I mean, the truth is that we um, see a rise in all forms of mental health problems right now. Um, you know, there's been, again, numerous studies on this, just a rise in general anxiety, depression, trauma. Um, we know that people are at home, they're under stress. It makes sense that these things are coming up. And so I think there's a, a couple of really key things to keep in mind. I don't think we can have enough compassion on ourselves during this time and for others. Um, I think it's really important to not hold yourself to the same standards um, that you would hold yourself during normal life. I, I just being aware of what you can do and what you can't do, I think is so uh, important. You know, I, I personally had a conversation with my primary care provider uh, a week ago and was just sort of mentioning, um, you know, the, the, the weight that I put on in, in the last several months. Um, and he asked me, he said, you know, is this really something that you think you need to worry about? Or could you just have compassion on yourself and know this is just part of this life? Like, is this something you need to worry about and do something about? Or could you have compassion on yourself. And I thought, oh man, I talk about compassion all the time and it is really hard to do. And, and I was like, you know, you're right. I am doing what I can. Um, and I also just really have to be gracious with myself. Um, and I think that applies to many of us. And I've heard many, many people talk about um, just everything that they're trying to hold themselves to in terms of their work, yeah. their distance learning, you know, all the and things that we can do. And I think you know, we have so much on, we have to be kind to ourselves and to others. Right. Margo, that's so beautiful. Thank you. We each need like a stack of, you know, get out of jail cards, like both for ourselves and for others. And just, it, it's true that it's not business as usual. And that same kind of compassion, extending that to people we work with and supervise so that people, you know, really understand that this is, none of us are getting away <laughs> with normal mental health right now and normal productivity. Well, Dr. Pumar said something about maybe reimagining what coping is all about. We simply don't have the outlets that we had in a pre-pandemic world. And being kind to yourself, I think, is maybe also reimagining what it means 
to cope in this post-pandemic and what we hope will soon be a post-pandemic world, but the pandemic world that we're experiencing now and that we're enduring and what can be done, uh, particularly in terms of what you call reimagining. Could you address that? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in the beginning of the pandemic, you heard a lot of people talking about, um, uh, you know, making bread and, uh, you know, crocheting and all these kinds of things that you could do at home. And people were thinking, oh, this is like a, such a great time uh, to do this. And I think with pandemic fatigue, like even energy for that can be really hard, you know, but I think part of that initial, well, I'm stuck at home, so what can I do was about like this need to continue to maintain the same level of productivity. Um, And as time goes on, you know, we're just, we're tired. And I think acknowledging a lot of the things that Dr. Appel has, has said, you know, like uncertainty is difficult. Dealing with technical problems is difficult. Um, being all at home in one space um, in the Bay Area is is really challenging. Trying to connect with people over Zoom, distance learning, and on and on, it just wears on you. And so, um, you know, I think the first part of reimagining is really um, taking stock in, you know, are you, like, with the increased stress and exhaustion, are you um, able to provide the care and the nourishment to your body so that, you know, and then, and then think, okay, and then really with what time and energy do I have left and what do I want to focus on? You know, think like prioritizing what's really important during this time. Mm -hmm. And I think the other part, so I think the other part of uh, the new normal is it has to be simpler. Like we have so many things going on, like our ideas of what we can accomplish need to be, you know, realistic. Um, And then we need to congratulate the heck out of ourselves when we're able to do even the simplest things. Um, And then that obviously goes back to uh, compassion as well. Also, it doesn't hurt to have uh, to have a sense of humor in the midst of all this pandemic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, can I ask that? Yeah, go ahead. I think so, you know, Margo's given us some beautiful ways for just for a, a, a more compassionate mindset and amping up our self-care. I just want to mention all of us are living in the epicenter of a climate crisis. And so we also have this larger context of an existential and spiritual crisis and COVID will end and we will be into our next chapter. And so, you know, if we can have this for me, what's been helpful is having this robust hope for a better future when we come out of this, not hope tied to specific outcomes, but rather this long-term view that we have this opportunity for transforming our culture and our society so we don't go back to our old ways where this kind of you know culture of fear and threat and divisiveness can be flourishing. Um, And so the, you know, the climate is, and the climate crisis is an area where we all join in our hope and our potential action. So I really feel like our communal robust hope and communal action, both for getting out of the pandemic, but also for changing uh, to our greener society, it's our bridge to the future. And it's, and our action is the bridge to our positive legacy. When I'm working on these 
you know, issues of climate and culture, I just feel this purpose and meaning that I that I've lost in some of my daily my other daily work. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if we can also just remember and have this long term view of their of this, you know, this positive legacy that's at our fingertips, we live in a remarkable moment in history. And it's up to us. Can I add to that as well? Um, oh, it's valuable advice and appreciated. Uh, I can also add here that, well, very little time left, unfortunately, but uh, uh, I'm going to have to say goodbye to both of you. I wish we had more time because uh, we lost some time, but I am grateful for your being with us and want to thank you and thank listeners for being patient with whatever happened technically to us. Alyssa Appel and Margot Pumar are both at UCSF, and we are here with you Monday through Friday, 9 to 11. Forum is produced by Judy Campbell, Tina Larberg, Ariana Prell, Blanca Torres, Susan Britton, Raquel Marie Dillon, our senior editor is Dan Zoll, our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin, our intern is Jameson Weiss, and our executive editor is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. Chief Content Officer is Holly Kernan. Thank you for being a part of the program, and for all of us here at KQED Public Radio, please stay safe. I'm Michael Krasny. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, President of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, Tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found you. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.